Hello and welcome to another episode of the At The Geeks podcast. Podcast and your source for all anime, manga, sports content. I want to bring back, well first of all, let me finish what I was about to say, you know. I'm already jumping ahead. I'm your host, Adrian, And we're going to continue a series that's taken a long hiatus. It's been It's been quite a while. We're going to bring back the redraft series. And I'm going to try to be more consistent with this now. So we're going to do last, last time we left off with the 2018 one. We're going to jump into 2017 now. And just to go into it, just to notice some of the names, that is the Lonzo Ball, Markel Fools, Jason Tatum draft. We're going to just go over before I redraft. I'm going to go based off the teams and just let y'all know the original order. We're just going to do the top 16 picks just because we usually go two over from the lottery because we like to go 16 instead of 14 because it just evens out a little more little better so we're gonna go with the number one pick was markel fultz out of washington number two overall pick to the los angeles lakers lonzo ball out of ucla celtics took jason tatum out of duke for number three the phoenix suns took josh jackson out of kansas at number four at number five the sacramento kings took De'Aaron fox out of kentucky Number six, the Orlando Magic took Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State. Number seven, um, the Chicago Bulls took Laurie Markinen out of Arizona. And number eight, the New York Knicks took Frank Nicolina out of France. And then number nine, the Dallas Mavericks took Dennis Smith Jr. out of NC State. Number 10, the um, Portland Trailblazers took Zach Collins out of Gonzaga. At number 11, the um, what's called Charlotte Hornets took Malik Monk out of Kentucky. Number 12, the Detroit Pistons took Luke Kennard out of Duke. Number 13, the Utah Jazz took Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville. Number 14, the Miami Heat took Bam Adebayo out of Kentucky. Number 15, no, that was, yeah, 14, that was 14. So number 15, the Sacramento Kings took Justin Jackson out of UNC. And number 16, the Chicago Bulls took Justin Patton out of Creighton. So after, what is this? We're, we're, we're three years removed from this draft class, about to go into the fourth year in this upcoming year. And we've seen the, we've seen enough out of these players. Some players got pushed out of the league already. Some players have already became journeymen and some players have already became stars. So we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. We're not going to do the draft trade. We're not going to do like trades. The trade, everything trade happen wise still stays the same. So if a team traded, like how the Boston Celtics traded their number one pick to the Philadelphia 76ers and then took number three, Boston is going to still stay at number three. We're not going to do jump around with trades and everything and be like, oh, well, if they're not going to trade back because we're doing blah, 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 redraft, they knew, then they're going to stay at number one, blah, blah, blah. We're not doing this. We're just going to stick with the order that happened on draft night. And so with the number overall, with the number one overall pick, the Philadelphia 76ers do not stick with Mark Hill Fultz. This one, I mean, I, 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 this was a no brainer for me. I know some people say they'd have somebody else there as well, but the Philadelphia 76ers, if they had Jason Tatum right there, oh my goodness, I'd be scared to see what happened. Cause then you have that, that team of Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, 
Jason Tatum coming into his rookie year, because you got to remember, he still had Kyrie. He had Gordon Hayward. That was before Gordon Hayward got hurt. He had Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Jalen Brown. The, the team was supposed to be good. The team was supposed to be good and be a contender that year. And then Gordon Hayward went out. Um, what's called? Then Kyrie went out later on. And so that team, what they were using Jason Tatum at first for was he was going to be just a catch-and-shoot off-ball player. And at first, for the first few games of the season, when he was just playing off-ball catch-and-shoot, he was leading the NBA in three-point percentage for, like, the first eight games. He was well over 40%. I think he finished his rookie year either above 40% or really close to 40%. I just know he was really high up there in three-point percentage. So it was like, so if you take him and instead of playing that role right there, you play, you have him playing that role in Philadelphia, being a 40% three-point shooter at 6'9", and, like, with the length, everything, the athleticism can play, defense can do everything, can handle the ball, and just having an all-arounder right there, that will fit perfectly alongside Joel and B because you have another shot creator. And now that um, Jason Tatum has gone on to become an all-star, and we've seen what he's capable of, having him beside Joel and B would be a super problem because Joel and B is already a contender for defense player of the year. So is Ben Simmons. And then Jason Tatum is a really good defender as well. So you have three really good defenders. You have Then you still have Tobias Harris right there. It would be a very tall, very long team that would have great switchability. And they'd be, they'd be unguardable. There'd be too many players to have at one time. So maybe it's a good team thing, Jason Tatum, to go there because Philly would be running the East right now if he did. So, number one, Jason Tatum goes to the 76ers. I, I know 76ers fans wish it would have turned out that way, but unfortunately it didn't for them. And fortunately for Boston fans, it turned out the way it did. So, number two, with the number two overall pick, I had the Los Angeles Lakers, instead of taking Lonzo Ball, I had them taking another guard. I had them taking um, Donovan Mitchell. I feel like Donovan Mitchell would have fit really well right there with that Lakers team, too, because especially with LeBron coming the next year and everything, um, LeBron with Jason, I'm not saying Jason, LeBron with Donovan Mitchell would have been a problem. We saw what Donovan Mitchell did his rookie year in a Western conference. He led his team to the playoffs, being their um, leading scorer, averaging 20 points a game. Took it, took him into the playoffs, balled out in the playoffs, got them to the second round of the playoffs, eliminated Oklahoma City, got them to the second round where they eventually fell off. And we saw Donovan Mitchell Looked like he could be a true leader. And then we saw Donovan Mitchell last year again in the bubble. And we saw what he was capable of breaking out like that, going hit for hat with um, Jamal Murray, dropping 50 bombs, just doing everything. He's an elite scorer. And he has the length to be a really good defender. However, he's not known for his defense right now. He's mainly known for his elite scoring. And he's going to be a problem for a long time. I think Donovan Mitchell would get more praise if he wasn't in Utah because nobody likes Utah. Um, it's a bland city. And then the Carl Malone, you know, association, a lot of people, especially since they still love Carl Malone, a lot of people don't like Utah because of that association. So, but I feel like if he was anywhere except for Utah, he'd get a lot more recognition. And we saw what he could, we did even did this playoffs on a hobbled leg. He was still out there balling. He was still doing his thing. So, Donovan Mitchell right there with the Lakers, I'm sure they would have no complaints at all. There'd be no, I can't think of any other player on this list who they would rather have 
other than Jason Tatum, maybe other than Donovan Mitchell, because that that would be that'd be a match made in heaven. I think the Donovan Mitchell would be a better pairing with that Lakers team than Jason Tatum, especially if you look at the team right now. I mean, obviously they wouldn't have had the Anthony Davis. They might have got him a year later because they wouldn't have had that trade package with Lonzo on them, but they could have packaged Kuz or somebody else with it instead, or package somebody else to make that. Um, deal with Anthony Davis and just thinking of a LeBron, Anthony Davis, Donovan Mitchell team, that would also be very, very scary and it'd be a problem in the NBA. So especially, like I said, we saw how Donovan Mitchell balled out rookie year, having LeBron right there and having him ball out rookie year, they probably wouldn't have struggled that first year and they would have actually been much better that first year instead of struggling and it balancing back the second year. So second overall pick, we got Donovan Mitchell at number three, the Celtics will be disappointed that they do not long, they no longer have Jason Tatum there. However, thinking back on their lineup at the time, I don't think it will be they will be they'll they'll be devastated right now. But looking back right now, seeing how it was, if we had the Kyrie Irving, um Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Jalen Brown and then have take Bam out of bio at number 3, that would be a really good defensive team with Jason, uh, not Jason, Jalen Brown and Bam Adebayo right there with Al Horford playing the power forward position. Even I think that team could have made a push there. We would have had the hope that everybody stays healthy. And then the thing they don't have to worry about is the next year coming over because the sophomore year, okay, the fresh that 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 rookie year with Jason Tatum and everything was good. Everybody was expecting that that second year to be even better. However, the the problem with that second year was, obviously, we saw what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could do, and we saw how good they were. So you can't tell Jason Tatum to take a step back for Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward now because Jason Tatum was just balling out. So it's like, do you go with your youth? So you're trying to find out enough touches for everybody. With Bam, we won't necessarily have that problem with the touches wise and being a scorer because Bam can affect the game in multiple ways, and he doesn't, and he's not a prolific score where he's just going to be like oh well, i need well i can average 25 whatever i can average 30 he's that's not bam's game so i think it would have been a better fit the ego we probably wouldn't have the ego problem as much and even if we they leave and we go up to today um a Jalen brown bam out of bio led team i still would like that a lot that's still very heavy on the defense i would i wouldn't have any problem with that one at all so uh, I know Miami would be disappointed because they no longer have their franchise player, but hello, little mama. Here we're doing this one again. And so, but the Celtics with Bam, I don't see them having any complaints. You see, it, to me, this one was a tough one. It was between Bam, John Collins, and Jonathan Isaac because still thinking of it'd be tough for the th- to have them take Bam with Al Horford still being there, knowing Al Horford can't play the four or the five. Or having someone like John Collins, who is a legit four and is a 40% three-point shooter at the power four, who's crazy athletic, that would work as well. And then Jonathan Isaac, who can play two, three, or four at an elite level and be be really, really, really good. I feel like all of that would be all of that would be fine in that regard. Um I think yeah, yeah, I think that they wouldn't have any problems whatsoever taking Bam out of bio. Um, number four overall, the Phoenix Suns originally took Josh Jackson and he didn't pan out at all. And I'm sure that they wouldn't have any complaints there if they had to switch up the pick. So at number four, I have the Phoenix Suns taking Josh Jackson. 
Nah, just kidding. They're not sticking with Josh Jackson. I have them taking John Collins, and I think the John Collins fit will be much better. And because, like I said, forty percent three point shooter, he would be the four for them. And then eventually, when they get in the future, they get Aiton. That would be a match made in heaven, having a shooting big go along with it. And John Collins can play the five because John Collins is 6'10". I just think that John Collins-Devin Booker combination will be amazing. You have two elite scorers right there. You have somebody that can play John Collins that can play defense, can do a little everything. Wouldn't have no problems there. I just think overall that that would be a match. I think John Collins could fit on any team. Any team that doesn't already have a stretch four, John Collins fits perfectly because he can he can play the five, he can play the four, and not many bigs can do the four or five thing because they aren't elite shooters. But John Collins is a legit forty percent three point shooter, and I'm a big fan of John Collins. That's why I said the I would have to have the Celtic either Bam or John Collins, no complaints either way. But I think the Phoenix Suns would love that John Collins pairing right there. And at number five. I have the Sacramento Kings sticking with their selection. I have the Sacramento Kings sticking with their selection of De'Aaron Fox. Um, De'Aaron Fox, unfortunately, is stuck in Sacramento, a poverty franchise. But De'Aaron Fox is an elite player, is one of the top point guards in this league. He's just not getting the recognition he deserves because the Sacramento Kings are not a good team. And he's just, he's not, he doesn't have a lot to work with out there. But I feel like we had De'Aaron Fox on another team out there. He'd be dominating. He'd be, he'd be known and seen as one of the top point guards in the league. I think if you move him anywhere outside of um, Sacramento, he'd be looked at as uh, like, like how John Morant's looking. Because personally, I still think De'Aaron Fox is better than what John Morant, who, like John Morant. But John Morant's going to be seen in a higher light because he's in Memphis. His team's winning he, of what he's doing. But I think if you switch their positions and what could happen, I think De'Aaron Fox would be doing the exact same thing, probably even better on a higher volume. That's, that's just my personal opinion. I'm, a, I'm very high on De'Aaron Fox. But like I said, I have the Sacramento Kings sticking with their selection right there. And then number six, I also have the Orlando Magic sticking with their selection of Jonathan Isaac. I think Jonathan Isaac, if he stays healthy, is one of the best defensive players in the league. He can he can he's gonna compete for multiple defensive player of the years. He's gonna he's a six eleven forward that can guard one through five legit guard one through five he's really good he's really elite defensively he just has to put put everything together offensively he he his jump shots coming along but he's not really providing much on the offensive end it's mainly on the defensive end where you're seeing them and even at 611 he's not the best rebounder but as far as just a wing player that you need to be there to be their lockdown defensive player, that's who Jonathan Isaac is. He's just not going to ever be a number one. He needs to have another star alongside him to, to handle the scoring loads. All he has to worry about is the defensive load and every once in a while catch and shoot slash do things like that. But I think Jonathan Isaac at that pick would be still – I don't see them changing up their pick at all. At number seven, the Chicago Bulls are not sticking with their original selection of Laurie Markkinen. Um, I have the Sacramento Kings. I said Sacramento. I have the Chicago Bulls going with Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen would be a good. They keep that big. Um, they still have a big, and they can just go along. Instead of having Laurie Markkinen, they have Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen's a really, really good big. He just got a big payday for a reason for because. He was he deserved every cent of that. I just didn't want him to get it in Cleveland. I wanted Evan Mobley to do better. However, Jared Allen is a really good defensive big, can rebound, can do it all, can really good off the pick and roll. 
he is your traditional pick and roll big nowadays outside of having the three ball. So I think the Chicago Bulls would not complain whatsoever if they had um, Jared Allen. And then a little later when they have so that if we're looking at today that Jared Allen, Zach Levine pairing would be good. And even if they have Vucevic still, Jared Allen could still stay on the floor because he has that switch ability. He has good defense. He could do everything like that. But then they wouldn't have the trade for Vucevic because they already have somebody like Jared Allen right there. But I see the Chicago Bulls taking yeah, it was it was it was a tough one between taking Lonzo and Jared Allen. I just I I was just leaning more towards the Jared Allen selection because they did take big, and I'm trying to think if I was in Chicago situation, who would I go to? Personally, I w- I would have liked the Lonzo pairing, but I think the Jared Allen would have been fine as well. And then the Knicks, the Knicks would have been ecstatic because this is where a lot of people wanted outside of other than the Lakers, they wanted Lonzo to go. So I would have the Knicks taking Lonzo instead of um, Frank. And then they would have actually got a really good point guard that they wanted. They wanted a defensive point guard. They wanted a good point guard. And that's what they thought Frank was going to be. But he's still good defensively, but he doesn't have everything else. And I think Lonzo would have had a better rookie and sophomore. He would have been much better if he was put in – New York, he would have still had some pressure, but he would he he wouldn't have had nearly as much pressure as he did when he was in LA. So I think he would have, he would have been able to start off better without being under a microscope. He still would have been had like I said, he still had a lot of pressure. He's still in New York. He still has um Lavar there, but I think it, without the LeBron and everything else there, he would have been fine. And I think that Lonzo over there would have been much better than him in LA. Who knows if he would have stayed in New York, but I think starting off in New York would have been good for him. Um, At number nine, originally the Dallas Mavericks took Dennis Smith Jr. That didn't work out for them. They noticed very quickly that that wasn't that match wasn't that matchup wasn't going to work, especially when they got Luca the next year. So Luca and Dennis wasn't going to work out together. Who knows what will really happen to Dennis Smith Jr. If he would have just stayed in Dallas, he had a good rookie year. He just then he got traded to um, New York and in New York, he just he just couldn't put it together over there. So who knows what would have happened if he would have stayed there. But I don't have the Dallas Mavericks sticking with um, Smith Jr. at nine. Instead, I have them taking Kyle Kuzma. I think Kyle Kuzma right there. I know a lot of people slander Kyle Kuzma. and He's not the highest regarded right now. But I think that's mainly because of what he did with the Lakers. We all saw Kyle Kuzma's rookie year. He played really well. We all saw Kyle Kuzma early on. He looked really good as a forward and as a scorer. It's just when you're playing on a championship-level team, Everything you're gonna do is going to be criticized. Everything you're gonna be, you're gonna be looked up upon a microscope. So if you have bad stretches, you have a bad couple games, you have a bad playoff series, it's gonna look much worse than if you were on, weren't on a team like that. So if he was on a team like the Dallas Mavericks that aren't necessarily competing, I feel like he would have been able to grow more. He would have been because like right now, the thing Kyle Kuzma was saying is he wants, he feels like he could be on the level of those Jason Tatums and everything if he got more touches. He felt like he could be an elite scorer like them if he got more touches. I don't necessarily agree with that. However, that's how he feels. Who am I to tell him that he's wrong? That's how he feels. That's how that man feels. And so we we would see what he could do on that Dallas Mavericks team. Like I said, that would be before Lucas. So he'd have, he'd be able to go out there and do what he wanted. 
And I know Dirk's still there, but he would have been able to do what he wanted because Dirk was out the door, basically. And then Luca going there and having a Luca. Kyle Kuzma doesn't have to be ball dominant. Luca is ball dominant, but Luca still can facilitate to Kyle Kuzma doing everything. It wouldn't be like where Kyle Kuzma needs to play, make, and do everything else like that, where Dennis Smith Jr. and him both needed the ball. Kyle Kuzma can play off ball. We've seen him play off ball. And I just think that would have been a good match right there. Um, at number 10, the Trailblazers. Uh, this one this one was tough. Uh, I think the Trailblazers, because they already have C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. So they already have their little one-two punch right there. They need a third person that can come in and play that Gary Trent Jr. or Norman Powell role. And so I had them taking Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks to come in there. We see after we saw what Dylan Brooks could do this year. After I mean, um, at last year's playoff, we saw Dylan Brooks coming out. We're like, that man's a really good defender. We saw him during the regular season putting people in prison, locking people up, and everything, shooting, scoring, doing it all. And him as a third option behind Dame and CJ, I think that would have been much better rather than going Zach Collins. So I think Dylan Brooks would have been a match made in heaven right there for the Portland Trailblazers. At number 11, the Hornets originally went with Malik Monk. I still like that Malik Monk pick. I I know he struggled early on. I'm not going to stick with the Malik Monk pick, but I do like it. I do like it a lot. Um, Right here is where I'm going to take a player. I'm going to take the original number one pick right here. I'm going to take Markel Fultz right here. And I think he would be a good spot. Um, This was before. This was while um, Kimbo was still there. And we've seen Markel Fultz play off ball. He's 6'4 with a super long wingspan. He can play the two guard or the one. And we can just see how it goes. I know he struggled on because he with everything with his jump shot, his shoulder, all those early concerns. But before he went out um, with the magic, he was actually playing really well. And he was starting to look like, okay, he might actually be good. He might not ever reach the potential everybody thought he was, but he still could be a really good player in the NBA. He could be a starting guard in the NBA. So I think the Hornets go right there. Instead of Malik Monk, they go with Marco Fultz as their second guard to pair along Kimba. And I think that that could work out. Um, The Detroit Pistons had Luke Kennard. And I almost had them take Luke Kennard again. But I think I'd rather, instead of Luke Kennard, I'd rather them take a more all-arounder in OG Ananobi. I like OG Ananobi's game a lot. So he's not He's not going to – he's not – necessarily bringing the shooting and the scoring as Luke Kennard, but he does have a more all-around game. And um, Luke Kennard, we saw it a lot with uh, the the Clippers. He he wasn't getting any playing time. He wasn't getting anything because, yes, he can shoot, but he's such a liability every other place on the court that it wasn't even worth um, playing him out there. And you see how much they're paying him just to not be able to play him. And I don't see you putting OG out there and him just – not being able to play on the court. Um, it was between OG and Josh Hart for me right here. And I think OG would have been a better fit right there for the Detroit Pistons. And then we have number 13, the Utah Jazz. I know the Utah Jazz aren't going to be happy because they made that playoff run off the back of Donovan Mitchell being their leading scorer and Joe Ingles stepping up and everything. But Donovan Mitchell isn't there anymore. And so you're very limited on who you could go with in since they do, they did need a guard to go along with. I think this is where right here is where I'm going to take Josh Hart. Uh, Josh Hart isn't going to fill that role for Donovan Mitchell, but he still is going to play some good defense. He's still going to play a good role. He's still going to do a good job just to fit along with that defensive mentality of um, what's called Utah. Instead of having a 
instead of taking a guard or somebody that can't really play defense, I think having another guard right there that can defend with Josh Hart alongside of Rudy Gobert in the paint would just help their overall team play. They'll still be looking for another score, but I think they'll still be satisfied enough. They're going to obviously be upset they lost Donovan Mitchell, but they will still be satisfied enough that they still got a 3 and D potential player. Um, at number 14, that's an, here's another team that's going to be really upset that they no longer have their um, franchise player. Uh, I think the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat, I can see them going a couple different ways. But since they took a big and bam originally, I'm going to have them take another big, but um, I'm going to have them taking still in Washington big and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant's a really good center. He's a good scoring center. He doesn't have the best defense or anything like that but as far as the offensive side of the ball he's probably he he i would he's a he's a better offensive big than bam out of bio he just doesn't have the defense that bam has so i think miami would struggle in that regard because they would need another defensive player alongside him but they have enough defense on the wings and on the perimeter that i feel like thomas bryant could develop into a good shot blocker and everything it's just that, but being able to stretch the floor, being able to shoot, score on all three levels, I think that's a that's a big thing with your uh, center position. So I think the Miami Heat will go with Thomas Bryant. Um, the Sacramento Kings are back up, and originally it took Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson is not who they're going with this time. Instead, I'm gonna have them take uh, Laurie Markkinen. I think Laurie Markkinen would be the um, better fit right there because then they have you already have who did I have them taking early. I had to, no, I had to take sticking with De'Aaron Fox, and instead of having to worry about Marvin Bagley in the future, you have your power forward of the future right there, yeah, Larry Markin. Larry Markin early on looked like an absolute monster. He looked like he, like he was one of the next up power forwards with shooting. He was putting the ball on the floor, dunking. He was doing he was doing a lot early on. But then he started to cool down, and he eventually didn't. He's not that same Larry Markin. We've we've grown to know. However, so um, I still think he does have that potential to be a really good uh, power forward in the league. He's just not the defensive power forward. But offensively, on all three levels, I still see him as a really good power forward. And the Sacramento Kings don't play defense anyway. So De'Aaron Fox and Laurie Martin will be a good pairing right there. You have somebody to run the pick and pop, somebody to kick it out to. When De'Aaron like, slashes, he can, he can drive and kick. And then um, the last pick of the draft we're going to talk about is the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls with their second selection. Uh, like I said, they took Justin Patton originally. But this time, I'm going to have them take Luke Kennard. They're going to take another uh, shooter, another score, somebody that can space the court or uh, space the floor. You always need a floor spacer on the court. You always need a shooter on the court. Even if they can't play defense, there's still always going to be room for a shooter on the court. There's always going to be – if you can shoot the ball at above 40% clip, you're always going to have a spot in the NBA. So Luke Kennard can still be there. He won't have the biggest role, but he can still be there looking good, catching and shooting, doing everything like that. But um, anyways, guys, this has been another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we are.